Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. My name is Lloyd. Let me bless you properly. (laughs) Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Announcements. Youth meeting this Wednesday, Caleb and Reagan, Raboon's house, where's, well, Caleb's up there. Stand up. Let me, let me embarrass you. Stand up, Reagan. So gorgeous anyway. So. This is, and if you have any questions about the youth meeting, get a hold of them. B, why don't you and Rose stand up too so everybody knows. If you have questions about youth ministry, get a hold of them. They're leading. And Mansoor and Kristen. So anyway, I've been hearing good things about the youth meeting, so thank you, you guys. Appreciate you doing that. And uh, I loved teenagers before I was one. And uh, spent most of my life doing youth and young adult ministry and still feel very strongly about all that and believe in this time we live in and this coming generation and the goodness of what God's going to do in their life. And with that, I'm doing a series on, uh, uh, I picked up this book about seven or eight weeks ago off the shelf. It jumped out at me, and it was an old book. It's not a very good book. It's an old book that some other pastor gave me, and it's about 20 things I want my kids to know. So it was written by some old guy that went, this is what I want them to get. And it's really full of good stuff, but not any of my stuff. But I went, huh. I would like to do that. I would like to go, you know, because I have a transition coming up with, and a birthday, and I just went, I want to I give some things that aren't a normal study that we've been doing that can help everybody, can help our kids, our grandkids, and hope all of us can grow in it. So it has to do right now, the first series has been around the issue of identity and our purpose in God. Every person has um, really two basic drives within us. One is for intimacy. I want to love and be loved. We all have that deep, deep longing. It's God-given. And the other thing is what social science would call impact or significance. I want to know that I'm here for a reason. And I want to find out what that reason is. And, I, and then there's a whole lot of value things that go with that. I want it to be significant. I want to make a lot of money with it. Or I want it to have an impact now. Um, by the way, those things all go squirrely at one time or another. And uh, sometimes I made lots of money in my life. And sometimes I made very little. Sometimes I got the opportunity to give it away. Sometimes I had the opportunity of having it taken from me. Without my, without my desires or will, and that's just life. It just happens. And here's what I found: God never let me be abandoned in any of it. He was with me in the best of times and the worst of times. You know, uh, have you ever felt like you were in that Charles Dickens novel? You know, The Tale of Two Cities. It's one of the most fun. Most famous opening lines of literature, besides my name is Ishmael, or it was a dark and stormy night, or 
It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. What a writer. I could have made a lot of money if I could write like that. We are made in the image of God. And so this, is, this was sort of our starting point. But what does that mean? Do I look just like God? Well, it's this. It's qualities more than it is an exact copy. Jesus, it says he was the express image of God. It tells us that in Hebrews. Us, I don't know if we're the express image. Uh, all of us have this longing in our hearts to be, and I've, I've, like you, I've heard 300 million teachings. No, I haven't had that much. I'm exaggerating. But on identity in Christ. But here's the real issue. The image of God in man looks like this. It's qualities of being. It's we're relational beings. We want to love and be loved. God's a relational being. We're made in his image. It's God-given, God-gifted. We're rational beings. We think. Um, I think, therefore I am, I think. Uh, we're volitional beings. That means we have been given a free will like God. Now there's a warning that should always go with any type of teaching around that, and that's the C.S. Lewis warning from mere Christianity. Be sure that if there are two free wills in the universe, they will collide your will and somebody else's. But we do, we were given choice to choose And then we're emotional beings. We react and we respond. You don't always have to react and there's a big difference. Learning to respond is a wisdom issue in life that we'll get to later about learning how to to deal with the situations that we're in. So with that, we looked at how you gain it. This is sort of a little summary so I can catch us all up. We looked at the two great enemies of true identity that happened in the garden. We talked about before the fall, what Adam and Eve were like. After the fall, what happened, the pride and the shame issue that came up. And out of it comes this weird equation that have passed down generation to generation to generation to generation. uh, In faith, not in faith. Wherever you were raised in the world, it's, it's, it, and the equation looks something like this. I'm trying to simplify it, so bear with me. What I do, plus my success at what I do, and here's the clinker, and what you think of what I do, how you rate me, equals who I am. It's a faulty equation. Because it doesn't have to do with your being, it has to do with your doing. And that equation of doing, when we pass that down, you know, is, is all pride wrong? No. Doing things with excellence is a good thing. But it did come from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's some of the good part. Remember, not all of that is evil. It's good and evil. So doing something like raising your children to be shown and taught how to do an excellent job, that's the good side of pride. Telling them they have to do it than than everybody else in the neighborhood, that they have to do it better. All of a sudden we start moving into a faulty equation that, that doesn't work, and then it becomes based on performance. How many of you are competitive? The rest of you are probably lying. 
Because if I got you in a good hearts game or a spades game and, or a game of spoons, which, oh yeah, you got to play spoons one time in your life, and then you got to do it with forks after that. <laughs> if anybody's played spoons, no. We all have that little bit of drive of competitiveness. Uh, really, everybody, I, I don't have a lot of it. Uh, like, put me on a Harley Davidson, get me out on a country road, and if I, if I never saw another vehicle, I'd be happy. And it's that. But we all have that little sense of competitiveness in us, and it's okay, because it's a drive to succeed, to want to do something. But when that becomes the emphasis of our being, who I am, um, we probably see the horror stories today in the news media more than we ever have before. And, and then being of the age that I am, which is wonderful, but it's also this, it's like playing, uh, and I think even Jim could attest to this, it was like playing baseball when I was little. I grew up in a little town of, of 1,200 people, 1,400 cats and dogs, but it was safe. And so when you were told to go outside and play, I would get on my bike, and you started one, front, one friend's house to another, to another, to another, and you go, hey, let's go down to the baseball diamond and have a game. And then you chose up sides. We didn't have the right hat with the right stuff on the front, and we didn't have a uniform, we didn't have a batting glove, and it wasn't organized, and we'd yell at each other, he wasn't out! Yes, he was! And we'd get in a big fight, and Billy would punch Joey in the nose, and then you'd have to reconcile the next day. But now, now at six, they have to learn to hit off the tee, they gotta have the right uniform, they have to know that they're going to be involved in the city championships for four-year-olds. They've got to get seven sponsors who are acquainted with Coke, so you have to be careful about what you're sponsoring. And it just becomes this uh, thing today that's built on this. Grace and truth. Just that song we were singing. What does God say? See, most people study the word of God to find out who God is and they forget that it's there to tell you who you are. The Bible is there to tell you, to bring you back to the garden of his love. And it doesn't matter how old you are. A five-year-old can understand this. I am made in God's image. Plus, I am loved unconditionally by God. God's not measuring me. You didn't do it good enough, Lloyd. He loves me right where I'm at. Plus, I am able to respond and trust Him that He's the director of my life. He's, if my life is a song, then He's the one who writes the music. And gives me the song to sing. If I can respond and trust, have a relationship with God, then that equals who I am. It's the only equation I really think is an okay equation. The rest of equations, ooh, they're usually human doings. This one, again, I ask you the question that we say, what is God, who does God say you are this morning? Man, you ought to read what the Word says about it. It's phenomenal. 
I'm a priest and king. That's phenomenal. Me, that kid from Janesville, Iowa, that grew up next to the railroad tracks, next, next to the Oddfellows home. You know, three times a day, the train coming through town, the whole house would do this, and the windows would rattle. You set, I set my whole day by when the train came through. You know, and then got very familiar with it. Then used it when I was 14 to run away. Look at this. It's imperative for us to agree with God to understand the things that he has made in me and therefore if he made things in me, he established certain things for me to accomplish. Now, anybody want to be a doctor? Anybody want to be a nurse? Is anybody a doctor or a nurse in here? There's a nurse practitioner. That's someplace in between. You know, it's God, doctors, nurse practitioners. <laughs> Every time I've got a boo-boo, I come and show her. You know, look at my finger. You know, I smashed it. What's going to happen to it? Where's Jacob? He's a nurse too. Wonderful people. That happens when you're little. Remember when you were seven and maybe wanted to be a policeman or a fireman or an astronaut? This and that. And you dreamt about things and dreamt about going places. I couldn't, you know, here's the thing. That was good back in Janesville, but I couldn't wait to get away from there. I wanted to escape so bad, and I did. Look at these scriptures. Now, this is a scripture about you. How God created you. The personality that you have. The values that you carry in your heart, some of it's affected by your family. We'll look more at core values. But look at this. We are his workmanship. Greek word poemo, where we get our English word. Come on, connect the dots. That's a poem. Poemo. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Incredible things which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Who prepared them? He prepared them for every child made in His image. Those who are redeemed can start seeing it and hearing it and believing it. Look at Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He delights in His way. All your days are numbered. There's two things that I can guarantee that God knows about your life. It's in the Word. The time of your birth and the time of your death. He knows. He knows when it's going to happen. Why doesn't He tell me? Because you'd do squirrely stuff with it. You're human. You'd go back to that first equation. And life is a... You remember the old movie Hook? Hook! You remember, I, there's so much in that movie, it's unbelievable. It should have been like the top draw for every youth group for 40 years. You know, it's like the Princess Bride. But in, in Hook, uh, so Hook, the bad guy, actually represents death and the fear of it. And Hook 
does, does this. He tries to make little kids scared to live. He tries to steal their life away so that they won't grow up and they don't have a mommy or a daddy. You know, there's one scene in which the little girl who is Peter Panning, Peter Pan's daughter, you know, looks at Hook when he's trying to capture her mind. She says, you need a mommy real bad. (laughs) But there's so much in that statement, isn't there? That secure, remember the teachings we did, security of knowing who I, whose I belong to. We need that. When Peter and Hook are fighting at the end, and it's all based on right principles, good show, my man. You know, and it's, it's all of that. And Peter looks at him and says, you're not as big as you used to be. And he says to a child, I'm a giant. So how do we teach our children? My steps are ordered of God. My steps are ordered of God. And if God's good, that means there's good things in those steps in that journey. And I don't have to fear it. Look at Proverbs 16. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So the operating question this morning is knowing what you're going to do with your life is, do you believe that? You have to make a choice about that. Do I believe that God, and there's a difference here. People make a mistake and say God's in control. And then they're mad at God when it doesn't go the way they want it to. God's not in control. God's in charge. He's in charge of all things. Hebrews clearly defines all that. He knows Isn't it weird how God doesn't stop bad things from happening to good people? That's a control issue. That came from the knowledge of good and evil. God represents himself through the tree of life. That's Jesus. And he won't make you do something, and sometimes he doesn't stop things from happening. Have you read The Shack? Did you see the movie? Oh, Lord, I was curled up in a fetal position for half that movie. Just going, oh. Uh, It can open your heart up, but it was hard. Because it goes to the sensitive areas where even with a spouse, it's hard to go there. That's when you learn to trust. And six years into the marriage, and eight years into the marriage, and 12 years into the marriage. And then, lo and behold, I'm still surprising her after 47 years. And I can still tell her stories that haven't been told before. I got a million of them, kid. God was so good to me. So good to me. God was so good to me. When I was so ornery, they were talking about, some friends were talking about eating apples the other day. That's the first time I thought God was mad at me and judged me. I was four years old and I climbed up in the apple tree and ate green apples after I was told not to with a little Morton salt shaker. Oh, stomach cramps and bad diarrhea, bad. (laughs) Sitting on that toilet going, oh God, forgive me. I sure I was under his judgments and that fire was coming next. Where does a kid, I didn't even go to church. Where does a kid come up with that? 
We want to blame God for every wrong thing that happens in life instead of trusting Him that He's carrying us through it. What do we teach our kids? To trust Him that He's going to carry us through it and you don't get everything that you want. Man, I wanted that 1966 Pontiac Le Mans and I had a good job and I had to settle for a 62 Austin Healy Sprite, which wasn't too bad. But then I lost it. The engine blew and bad things happened. Just about the time of graduation and my family going bazonkers. And I not only didn't get my car back, but uh, somebody in relationship with me sold it for way less than what it was worth and gave me $50 for graduation. I could have, I was bitter for years. And now I go, Oh, I learned I learned 50 life lessons. 50 life lessons. Your kids are going through this and we'll look at choices later. You want to pray a really good prayer over your kids and your grandkids? Oh God, let them learn $1,000 lessons from $1 mistakes. So that they can see that oh, always talking about Principles. And the operation of God, that God's in charge over their lives. And if something bad is happening, it's not because they're bad. It's because it's circumstances of life and this doesn't feel too good right now. You know, it's literally, it's, it's uh, Gollum talking about what Shelob feasts on and starts talking about orcs and goes, <laughs> and they doesn't taste very good, do they, precious? There's orcs in life that don't taste very good. Ugh. Do you ever have to eat an orc? I tried to beat several of them up and lost. Here's what I know. And I know that Jeremiah 29, 11 is like the, the pan... It is the pan prophecy for every youth group or every kid that's ever gone to a youth camp or anything. I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, says the Lord. You know, to bring you, you know, and usually we add things like you're going to go to the nations and you're just going to do incredible stuff when you're 16. You know, you want to teach your kids, you learn how to survive 16, you know. Here's what it comes down to. How do we find what we are in life? If we don't want to do it from a faulty equation, how do we get there? Our reason for being here is found actually in something that we think is hard to find and it's not hard to find at all. And we call it God's will. How many conversations have you had over your latest Starbucks coffee he said, I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Right? I, I just knew what the Lord, I wish I understood what the Lord wanted in this. We make God's will as though it's this faraway thing and impossible. And it's always right there because He is. Then we were taught another, that faulty equation thing is that I have to seek for it and if I do the right things, he might peel back the pages a little bit and let me read at least a half a page ahead. 
And if I do these things, I can know what's going to happen. That's not God. That's not a good view of God, and it's not a good view of you. Or do I just let life happen to me? Que sera, sera. No. You choose God. You choose trust. You choose, say, let me have understanding. How many times have you prayed the great why prayer? Something happens, good or bad. Some people, they're so, they got so distorted with this, um, they wonder when the other shoe's going to drop. That's a colloquialism that we do. This This thing's going too good. You know, the other shoe's going to drop here, buddy. We don't, we don't learn how to navigate through life and accept it. And, and it's literally this. Go on the journey with God and He will always show you His will. Always. You just may not find it out when you want to. This is what I know. 2020 vision is looking behind. A friend of mine who taught said the road straightens out behind you. You look ahead, it's got curves and hills, boulders in the way, right in the center of the road, or like I said back in Janesville, dead skunk in the middle of the road. You know, I had to get away from that place. And God knew it. And then he, you take a kid like that, and when he's 40, I was going around the world. Can you imagine the difference between, I mean, there were 63 people in my graduating class, and I knew most of them from the time I was in kindergarten. And God goes, and He casts you, and He does stuff with you. Do you ever have to do what you didn't want to do? I didn't like people. I didn't want to be in front of people. I'm the kid that had to give the sophomore speech and went, I, 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 I was the guy that would get in a small group and hide my face like this. God goes, oh no, that's not what we've got for you, buddy. That is not. Did I go kicking and screaming? No, I went rejoicing. I don't think I'm able to do this, but if you say we're going to do it, let's do it. He's just looking for a choice. God who chooses. That's where the idea of choice harnessed in my life and your life matters. It's not that I chose God. Look at this verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. Have you been watching The Chosen? If you haven't watched any of The Chosen yet, you've got to go back to last season and then catch up real quick. The Chosen is about not just about Jesus, but The Chosen is the backstories about all the people that He chose. It's so wonderful the way... Here, here's another baseball analogy. You'll forgive me, Jim. You'll just pass over it. This is how God chooses... Go back to the baseball diamond I was talking about when I was little. And you get on the baseball diamond, and God's there. 
And he says this, Who wants to be on my team? Me, 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 me. I can't hit, but I want to be on your team. He says, I choose you and you and you and you and you. God's choosing is cooperative. God wants every heart. He wants every little boy, every little girl to raise their hand and go, me, me. He says, yep, I choose you. And he delights in it. He chooses us. And here, look at Ephesians 1. This is maybe one of the most dramatic scriptures about identity that you will find in the Word of God. It's stunning. Let's say it aloud together. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, go, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I don't know where that go came from. Maybe it's a go. Maybe that's for somebody this morning. Look at that. Before, you know, this is a, this is a dramatic uh, music has to play with this. You know, uh, now nah, I'm Lord of the Rings nut, but it's that, it's that opening of the second series, you know, where the music is, wow, you know. And you're going to find out that Gandalf really didn't die. But it's this word. He chose us before the foundations of the world were built. He knew you would be here now. Come on, get your nugget around that. What? You thought you decided to do something? You, you decided you were going to do this, this, and this? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And you didn't do it alone. God loved you and he knew what was best. And so he put things in your heart. He put desires in your heart. Things that you wanted out of life. People that you needed to be connected to. People that you did not need to be connected to. But what's mind-boggling is the second part of it. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Is that who you are? Can you say that about yourself right now? If you are, you're starting to get a right identity. Oh, it's so hard to pray it. Really hard in a group of people. Here I am, God, holy and blameless in your sight. Oh, that card game last night. Here I am, God, chosen, holy, and blameless in your sight. You are not pointing a finger at me this morning. You don't think I'm weird because I like certain things or don't like certain things. You made me unique. You formed me. You fashioned me. You put it inside of me. I'm here because of you. Who wants to damage that? When we get a distorted view, when we get the equation wrong, you'll stab it, you'll poke it, you'll kick it, you'll throw it away, you'll open it up to people who aren't worthy to see it. But you start getting this, listen, parents, grandparents, teach, 
your children well. Teach them well. Teach them who's in charge. And teach them that He's got a plan and that the plan is that they would stand holy and blameless in Christ before God. Can you see yourself? Turn the mirror around. Now it's God looking at you. Can you see the way God looks at you this morning? He just goes, my delight. My precious one. My lovely one. We've been taught the wrong equations over and over and over again. We were taught that He's the pearl of great price. No, it's you. You're the pearl. Go back and read the parable of what He's saying. You're the pearl of great price. You're the treasure hidden in the field that He sold everything, His birthright, to purchase and then redeemed it back to Himself. That's me. This was so hard to do. How do you get there? The Word, you keep doing it. God chose me. I'm chosen of God. I'm loved of God this day. It's really hard when you made a bunch of mistakes the morning before, but here's the thing. He doesn't, it says this about love. Love doesn't hold an account of wrong. You really think God's up there marking it? Here's what 1 Corinthians says. He did not come into the world imputing their sins to them. And walk in here. It means to mark down. It's actually a math term. He's not marking down everything that you did wrong to determine how bad you're going to get it. He laughed his head off at me when I was four, repenting for eating green apples. I didn't even know what repentance was, but I was doing it. He's going, oh, buddy, I bet you won't do that again. I did. Yeah. I wasn't an easy learn. Were you an easy learn? Show and tell. How honorary were you? See, we want to compare ourselves by how bad we were. I still do it today. We share testimonies. And instead of talking about how good God is, we talk about how bad we were. That somehow that helps. So when I was getting ready to turn 55, a couple of years ago, I started doing this weird bucket list things that I got to accomplish in my life that were really good and things that I really regretted. Going back and opening those things back up and some of the, and they probably weren't what you think they are. I went back in that. This is one of my big regrets. So I'm opening this up here again. This is one of my big regrets. Oh God, if I could have just known you when I was a young teenager, and could have served you with gladness through those years instead of doing all the debacles that I got myself into and the stupid things. If I could have just known you, if I would have just thought about you. It was my birthday. He took me back to Janesville, Iowa. 
sitting on the hill under this big elm tree and I could see the clouds it was my 13th birthday and birthdays weren't that big a deal but I remember looking up in the sky he took me right back to that spot and I looked up in the sky and I saw clouds and it was so incredibly beautiful and I just went there must be a God in heaven and he let me hear myself saying it again did it really happen the event really happened my memory put it away under years of shame but there I was as a 13 year old going there must be a God now here was the glorious thing the Holy Spirit spoke inside my heart and he said I knew you back then I was watching you you didn't know my name but you called out to me and I saw you and I rescued you and I brought you through all this. And he said a really interesting, he said, you have nothing to regret. It's caught in me and what I did. And God chooses us. Okay, you're going to minister to your own heart this morning. Would you put your hand on your heart if you can do this? Just say this. You got to say it out loud so you're hearing it. Your words. I am chosen by God. I am His love. He shines on me. He glories in me. He loves me. And He has an incredible plan for all of my life my family, my friends, in Jesus' name. Doesn't that feel good? It just feels good, right? Confession, yeah. Um, the Lord showed me something, and I just wanted to share it. Uh, there's, there's somebody here who keeps, you're caught up in wondering how you got where you are. And that's just from the enemy. He just wants you to keep you in that. It's like a, a circle drive with no exit. So the Lord just wants you to, I see a picture. You just step out in the, in the sun and look up into the sunshine. He just wants you to let that all go and just let him move you on. He's the one that moves you on and brings you forward. And the other thing is to remember that it's his strength that comes in our weakness. He's fine with your weakness. Good. That was for you. You just receive it.
As we close, I want you to know and take this with you. God doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit on anybody. He doesn't go hopeless. He doesn't stop. He won't quit. We want to quit. He doesn't quit. He won't quit on you. He's never quit on you. Even when you thought he was, he wasn't. And that's the truth. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you love each other as you go? God bless.